You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. Hi, I am Alan Roth, president of Secure America Now and host of this Code Red podcast. Our guest today is Nina Shea, senior fellow and director of the Center of Religious Freedom at the Hudson Institute. Nina also served for 12 years as a commissioner on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Nina has dedicated her professional life to fighting against human rights abuses around the world. These days, her primary target is the persecution of Christians in communist China. Her latest initiative can be found at globalprayerforchina.org. Nina, welcome to the podcast. And can you answer the questions, why are the communists persecuting Christians and how are they doing this? Well, it's great to be with you, Alan. Thanks so much for having me. China is at war with all religions. China wants to control the narrative and ideology, and under President Xi, uh, it is becoming more ruthless about this and more totalitarian. So it has, um, as is widely known, is in the act of committing genocide against the Uyghur Muslim population there. It has repressed the Tibetan Buddhist population for many years so that their leaders can't even live in China. And one of the Dalai Lama lives out lives outside of China. He'd be arrested if he entered it. Um, and the Panchen Lama has been disappeared for decades. Um, Falun Gong are victims and targets of uh, forced organ harvesting. They are prisoners of conscience, and the government comes in and takes out their various organs and sells them to transplant tourists. So this is all part and parcel of China's war on religion. Now, what it does with um, the Christians, and the Christians are divided into two branches. There's the, both are legal in China, the Protestants and the Catholics. And together, um, they are uh, about uh, um, 100, they're estimated to be between 60 and 100 million in population. And the Chinese see this as a threat. They don't like this growth of the churches. This has all happened basically since Mao. The Christian presence goes back to um, the uh, 16th century with Matteo Ricci, the Jesuit priest who planted um, Catholicism in China. But um, it has really taken off since the end of the Mao period. And there's a great receptivity and interest in Christianity by the majority Han people in China. So uh, President Xi um, it seems to be fulfilling now the um, pledge by the, the Communist Party of China under Mao to um, force the churches to wither away or to see ensure that they do wither away. And he's doing this by several means. Um, one, he is banning all young people under the age of 18 from being exposed to religion, um, even making them uh, 
take oaths in some of their schools now, beginning to take require oaths of atheism. And they cannot attend Bible camps, they cannot enter churches, they cannot receive the, the So um, this will ensure that the church future is very precarious. Uh, expect to see China, um, China's Christianity uh, really shrink in the next generation because of this. And for Catholics, it means there won't be many priests because vocations are often, and, and, and pastors too in the Protestant churches, cultivated when children uh, are, are young and, and exposed to um, cultural people, figures of respect in their, in their clergy. So that's one uh, way. Um, they're also uh, crushing the underground churches. And they're doing this by bulldozing some of the churches and uh, by systematically bulldozing the churches, in fact, or destroying them or shuttering them. And um, the churches in the underground have actually, it's a somewhat of a misnomer, Alan, in the recent years because um, they have been tolerated and they're out in the open. Some of these churches are internationally known and very famous um, within China. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of uh, Pastor Samuel Lamb's um, underground Protestant church, the, um, uh, the the early rain covenant church, the Zion church in Beijing. Uh, these were known. Some of their pastors were invited to the White House. Um, they traveled. Um, you know, so, so there was this tolerance. So now the, the Communist Party knows who they are. And they have sentenced them to lengthy prison terms, like Wang Yi's example, Pastor Wang Yi of Early Rain Church, they have shuttered all of them. And they're um, uh, putting them under intense surveillance. Now, five dioceses, we, Catholic dioceses we know of in Fujian province have been shut down completely. So these were um, headed by bishops and priests that were not part of the government's church, and that's the patriotic church. So they're, they're really um, crushing the underground. The, the um, leaders of the underground who uh, do not quit their ministries or join the government church are being sent to secret detention centers and tortured. Um, we've seen that with a Catholic priest, um, uh, Father Wang in Fujian. Um, we see it with Bishop Su Jemen. He is um, one of the... He is the world's longest political prisoner. He is, uh, was imprisoned for decades under Mao and then now decades more, 25 years or so um, in the recent period. So he served even, he is serving, if he's still alive, more, um, more time behind bars in China than even Nelson Mandela did in South Africa. So these are some of the ways uh, that they're uh, persecuting the leadership of the underground and shutting it down. Um, with um, the government's own church, they're turning that into this so-called patriotic churches. And there's one for the Catholics and one for the Protestants. They must, all churches who are uh, permitted now must be licensed or registered with them. They are turning those places, those churches into propaganda and surveillance assets of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, so they are uh, now under new rules uh, starting May 1, 2021, uh, that are being enforced, must base their sermons on 
uh, Xi's sayings, President Xi's sayings, they must uh, teach uh, and, and educate their flocks in Communist Party uh, policies and, and um, practices. They, um, President Xi has uh, stripped, uh, is beginning to strip uh, images of Jesus and Mary from the inside of churches and replace them with his own uh, image. His, uh, his and Mao photos are now showing up in back of the altar on either side of the cross in, um, in the churches in China that are government churches. On the exterior, they're stripping them of their crosses and have any Christian symbols like bell towers. So they are uh, secularizing the appearance of these churches they're requiring that they ideologically conform to Communist Party doctrine. They select their leadership. And uh, so they are, they are um, becoming assets of the uh, Chinese Communist Party. Their interiors and exteriors are bristling with surveillance cameras. Um, then the final way, they are uh, now altering the Bible. Uh, the Chinese language Bible um, has had integrity um, all these years, and now they are uh, reinterpreting it, the Communist Party, that is, of China. And um, we have a clue of what it's going to look like because the government uh, rolled out a textbook last fall um, explaining some of the Gospels. One was the story of Jesus telling the adulterous woman um, to go and sin no more when the others were about to stone her for adultery. In the Chinese Communist Party version now, um, this story is altered. And at the end of the story, Jesus picks up the stone and stones to death the woman himself. And this is included because, or this is put forward to teach the lesson of the communist law should be forced without mercy. So these are four ways, Alan, that the um, government is now trying to eradicate Christianity. And it is certainly, you know, it was on a, tra a trajectory of being the world's largest church by 2030. That's what scholars were estimating based on the um, just remarkable um, rise, you know, interest in Christianity and in conversion. And... Um, so now uh, we can no longer say that. It is going to be a much smaller church and it may very well look like the North Korean church where there, people are in a deep underground where they only dare to express their faith in um, the family, in a trusted family circles and not even trusting your children because they are being taught to report their parents. Um, so this is... Um, uh, a quiet persecution, a silent persecution, because the government is avoiding the more bloody graphic, shocking, you know, visually shocking images that we're seeing in the Muslim area in Western China with the, with the Christians. And they're using these draconian regulations, which they then enforce, um, sometimes with imprisonment in the jackboot, but more often with other means, uh, regulatory means. Um, and they're doing that, using that approach uh, to preserve Western trade. 
they fear that the West will cut them off if they start uh, doing to the Christians what they do to the Muslims. Now, they also have a practical problem because there are about 12 million Muslims and, and maybe 100 million, as many as 100 million Christians. They probably can't imprison everybody in a concentration camp like they did with the, the Muslims. But um, they are using social credit score systems and other means to do it. Nina, thank you for that overview. What is the American, or what has been, what is the American response to this persecution of Christians? The response um, has been fairly weak. Um, there have been some members of Congress, like Congressman Chris Smith of New Jersey, for example, who's held hearings. There's a uh, congressional executive commission that has reported on some of these uh, imprisonments of Christian uh, pastors and bishops. Uh, but um, the, the, this is a fairly recent phenomenon, Alan. It, uh, it, it, it really surfaced in 2018, um, in the, towards the middle of 2018. So um, it's, it hasn't even been three years, and it's taking a while for people to catch on what's going on. Uh, there's been, an, um, uh, rightly, there's been a tremendous focus on the Uyghur Muslim because it is also a recent phenomenon dating to about 2017, 2018, um, that we discovered these massive concentration camps where they are being brainwashed and, and um, by the Chinese government. And that's what the Chinese government is trying to do with the whole nation. They want to control the narrative. They want to control thought. Um, they want to control the minds of people. And, you know, it, they even put out a, a tweet um, that caused their Twitter account from the embassy, the Chinese embassy in Washington to be shut down. Um, and, and it was a tweet about the Uyghur women um, after reports started surfacing of their um, forced abortions forced sterilization as a way of demographic annihilation, actually, you know, demographic manipulation for the purpose of annihilation. Um, and the tweet said, um, the minds of Uyghur uh, women have been liberated. Uh, they are no longer baby-making machines, and um, they uh, are now independent and self-confident. I mean, this was jaw-dropping tweet and um, it, it shocked even Twitter <laughs> and, and, they, and they shut down this. This was the official government of China's embassy in Washington, Twitter account that, that said this. It almost seemed like a conscious um, patterning after, uh, you know, the, the, um, the, the Holocaust, the Nazi camp, the work sets you free sign on the gate. Um, it, it was that cynical and repulsive. So there has been the focus on the Uyghur Muslims. And um, fortunately, uh, before he left office, Secretary Pompeo officially declared that situation to be religious and ethnic genocide. And uh, that resulted, that was on the spur of the moment, 
you know, parting shot, like some of the press uh, characterized it, it was uh, the result of seven months of investigations um, by the uh, Global Criminal Justice Office of the State Department, the ambassador at large, Mars Tan there, uh, had been studying these this issue, collecting research on the Uyghurs. So, um, and, and found out that uh, according to the UN, um, according to the, as the AP reported it, for, there was a 49% drop in the Uyghur birth rate from since uh, between 2017 and 2019. Uh, so a 49% drop in the birth rate, um, which was totally out of sync with the rest of China. I think the rest of China was single digits, maybe 4% or so. Um, and it was a result, and this was the result of, uh, this was reflected in China's own government documents. Uh, so there was no, uh, you know, controversy about this. And, and this was a result of their extremely brutal policies. So that had finally captured uh, the world's attention in just in January of this year. So I, I think it's now time to take a closer look at what China is doing to the Christians. It's just beginning. Um, it it's, hasn't had a full effect because this is a gradual uh, process and, is, and, and the results won't be seen until the next generation when there are no Christians left because they've, uh, you know, they, the, the children haven't been introduced to the, the religion and, and because everybody's afraid and the underground has been dismantled and the patriotic churches, the only churches allowed have been turned into um, communist party centers, essentially, or assets. So I am hoping, that, Alan, to answer your question, that um, there is a greater response. And, part, and, and this prayer campaign that I'm part of, that I'm helping to get established is um, is part of that process of raising awareness and calling for people in the United States, the American people, to do what they can, that is pray and spread the word about what's happening. You know, uh, the global prayerforchina.org is the website in which people can learn more about this prayer initiative. And can you tell us a little bit about how this came about? I know that you were one of the leading organizers of this and who constitutes the group. I noticed that there was a Cardinal Bow who uh, seems to be the spiritual leader of this, but it's primarily laymen taking the lead on focusing attention on the persecution of Christians. Can you give us a little background and what you hope to accomplish by this initiative? This is um, a lay uh, movement of Christians, mostly Catholics, uh, that formed together a loose coalition, people that you know work together on persecution issues around the world, uh, like uh, Congressman Chris Smith or Lord David Alton, um, you know, th these are well-known figures in their own countries. We've been sharing information and uh, over the years and including on China and are very concerned about what is happening there. Um, the Cardinal Bow, Charles Bow, did issue a call of prayer in uh, March 
for this, the, the Chinese church and the peoples of China. So it's for the, both for the church and peoples of China. He called for a week of prayer between May 23rd and May 30th. And he chose that day because uh, Pope Benedict XVI um, in prior years had made the May 24th day uh, a day of prayer for China. And so um, he uh, is a significant figure, Charles Bow, he, um, Cardinal Bow, he is the president of the Asian Federation of Catholic Bishops Conferences. So as president of this federation, which includes all the Catholic um, bishops of Asia, he has asked for the prayer and he is um, from Christians. And he has um, said that he thinks it's important to do this. And he is from Burma, Alan. So his, he was writing this as his own cathedral was surrounded by uh, fire, uh, uh, you know, fighters at that time in, in the coup, the military coup that was taking place in Burma uh, in March and continues. But uh, he felt that it's necessary that um, we start praying that China be a force for good as it rises as a, as a global power. That's what he writes in his statement. And the statement, you're right, is on the website of um, globalprayerforchina.org. Um, and he says that um, we must pray that, it, that China become a protector of rights for the most vulnerable and marginalized and he is concerned about the preservation of human dignity in China. So um, I, I think it resonated with a number of us and um, we felt like we can no longer be silent and we couldn't be silent as Christians. We're inviting every people, everyone of goodwill to join us in prayer. Um, and um, it's not just for Catholics, we feel that it's, People need to know what's going on. We have information about Uyghurs as well and Tibetans and Falun Gong. So uh, this is an initiative that um, we hope will catch on, that we're going to launch it during this last week of May, but we continue, we intend to continue it um, because the situation is that serious, both for the church and for all peoples, like Cardinal Bo said, for the peoples of China. Uh, it's not just the Christians. Well, we at Secure America Now will help publicize your efforts through this podcast and in other ways that come along. And it is an extremely important effort. I remember, I think there was a poll that you commissioned at some point where you asked American, and I think, again, it was American Catholics, of what it is that they do the most of to make change. And they said, pray. <laughs> uh, prayer was a, an important part of their lives and people praying in this case for uh, China to get a little humanity um, in its treatment, not only of Christians, but of all peoples, is a very important cause. Do you have any thoughts on what I consider to be a kind of bizarre relationship 
between the Vatican and the Chinese Communist uh, Party. And it seems like uh, the Vatican thinks the way to deal with communist China is to allow them to take over your churches. That might be too harsh, but um, can you make some heads or tails out of what Vatican strategy is by signing accords with the Chinese Communist uh, government? Um, it, by the way, it wasn't my poll, um, but I think prayer is extremely important because uh, it can lead to inspiration. That is the hope. Um, it, part of the hope uh, in praying and purpose, and it can um, help people understand and focus on what is happening in a more deliberate way. So um, yes, the Vatican, in the same year that we started to see this amazing crackdown, this historic, really epic crackdown, the worst period since Mao Zedong for human rights across the board, whether it's you know Hong Kong or, or uh, citizen journalists or um, dissident doctors, you know, we're seeing this uh, horrific um, treatment of any dissident voices. At this very moment, um, that China is banning children from churches, um, the Vatican decided to um, clinch a deal with, with um, Beijing on the issue, the all-important issue of appointment of bishops. And for the Catholic Church, bishops are essential to the life of the church because they ordain priests and they oversee the doctrine of the church and the, that the teachings of the Vatican are, um, it's, that it's orthodox, orthodoxy of the church. Um, and so they, uh, the, this agreement of 2018, the Sino-Vatican Agreement, as it's called, is, a, is and was a secret document. We don't know what the text actually says, but the Vatican has let it be known that it was about the appointment of bishops. And they claimed it was to ensure um, a papal voice in that, in the appointment of bishops. The rules that came out, I mean, this was always doomed. Um, we, we saw this, uh, you know, you could see how the perils of partnership with China in so many ways, whether it was, um, you know, it's in the Hong Kong uh, agreement that it would have sovereignty um, or, you know, any other treaty they've signed on human rights. Um, China is a bad faith partner. It's a bad actor. But the Vatican chose to believe them. And they then um, allowed, uh, they, they, they cooperated with China in shutting down the underground Catholic Church. So about 25% uh, of the bishops of the Chinese Catholic Church were in the underground, they were known, and the Vatican instructed them to be, uh, to, to, to be unified. That unity was to take place within the patriotic church. And you're absolutely right, it's bizarre because the pledge to get into the patriotic church requires these bishops and priests in the Catholic Church in China to pledge independence from the Vatican and the Pope. And Cardinal Zen of Hong Kong, who's an amazing hero in, in, um, in China and globally, um, said that this is um, a form of apostasy. Uh, this is directly counter to the Catholic faith that you would distance yourself and be independent from the Pope and the Vatican. And instead, 
pledge your allegiance and faithfulness to the Chinese Communist Party. So that's the, pri that's the price for priests and bishops to get into this uh, church to be unified. So um, many of the um, bishops who had been faithful to the Pope up until this point and suffered mightily, bishops like Bishop Sue, um, were uh, completely bewildered. They had no idea what to do. And um, some of them, like Bishop Gao of Fujian, just left his ministry. He, um, he uh, was the chief bishop there, and then the Vatican, to get the deal um, with Beijing, asked him to step down and be number two in the diocese, which he then did. Then China um, forced him to sign the pledge. He refused to. They kicked him out of his house. He was sleeping in the height of the coronavirus in December last year, two years ago, to uh, sleep on, on, on the step of his um, rectory um, and um, as a punishment. And then they uh, let him back in after international outcry, and he went back to his apartment, but there was no heat, light, or running water. So he couldn't survive there. And he, he just went home to his family of origin and, and left his ministry. And others have done that as well. So the underground is being dismantled by the with the Vatican's cooperation. And um, it, it is bizarre. Um, they, their new rules, May 1 this year, which says, it lays out how Catholic bishops are to be appointed, and there's no mention of the Pope. These are new rules by Beijing that are being enforced by the Communist Party, and they make no mention of a papal role. And to this day, about a third of the diocese of China are without bishops, 30%, uh, over 30%, because um, the Chinese have not fulfilled that end of the, the obligation by uh, appointing bishops to posts, to diocese in China. So this is how the Chinese are going to destroy the, the Catholic Church. And the price for um, having China for outsourcing um, its appointments of bishops and leadership to the Communist Party, the price for that was to remain silent. So at the same time, the Vatican is um, absolutely mute on what is happening, not only to its own church, but also to the Uyghurs who are suffering um, religious genocide and for the people in Hong Kong, many of whom are Catholic, uh, like Jimmy Lai, the, the, um, the um, business mogul who is facing possible life sentence for his descent in China, peaceful descent. So, um, it is a very strange circumstance, and it was really re it was actually renewed this agreement with Beijing by the Vatican in uh, last October of 2020 for another two years, and the Secretary of State of the Vatican uh, proclaimed it as um, a step forward. He thought it was an important uh, celebratory event. He was joyful about it. He was cheerfully talking about at a press conference about how an important step this was. Uh, this is something that they have sought, the Vatican has sought for decades um, since uh, Mao kicked out, expelled the papal nuncio or ambassador from the Vatican in, 19, um, 20, in 1951. Um, this has been a long quest to have a rapprochement with Beijing. And um, 
but to do it at this very moment when she is uh, consolidating Chinese control and China is rising as a power in the world in a very negative way uh, for human rights, um, then, then uh, it, it's baffling. Uh, Nina, do you have any uh, update in a sense uh, as to what the situation is in Hong Kong with the Chinese Communist uh, government of China clearly has stamped down on what they call protests, but they seem to have totally locked down and extended their totalitarian state into Hong Kong. What, what do you hear is the situation in Hong Kong? Well, it's, um, we're seeing the great vibrant, you know, place of Hong Kong um, turn to ashes, basically. Uh, you know, the latest has been uh, the roundup of the, the prominent pro-democracy leaders, the, the, the people who are um, uh, championing liberty, and as they had it, um, before last summer. So they, they've, uh, the, the Chinese have, Beijing has imposed its national security law, which is very vague and broad sweeping, allowed them to round up everyone they could who was a pro-democracy leader, including um, Martin Lee, a member of uh, the parliament there, longtime Catholic leader, um, Jimmy Lai and, and many others, and they um, are all facing trials. And um, Jimmy Lai is actually in prison now, serving a 14-month sentence, but he is facing possible life sentence. Again, he ran a Apple Daily and the media um, outlets that from that 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 um, praised the protesters and supported them in their quest for maintaining autonomy as was agreed with, with Great Britain by Beijing. So um, uh, his latest punishment this week, uh, the China uh, froze for the first time in history that we know of um, his equity in um, the company Next Digital um, and his fortune, which is about, fortune there in the company about $63 million. So official order a process, um, China reached into the Hong, to Hong Kong's finances and, and froze his equity as well as his bank accounts. Um, this is unprecedented. Um, you know, the Wall Street Journal is saying which, you know, who, which investor will have, have confidence in, in um, Hong Kong. This is killing the the golden goose, the goose that laid the golden egg. Um, this should be. This is a very frightening development, and signals that it has swallowed Hong Kong. There is no uh, two systems um, anymore. One country, two systems, and uh, it's, China's aggression is now threatening other places in the region, uh, especially Taiwan. So um, it, it, it indeed requires prayer. Um, it's, it's almost unstoppable. And I hope that 
there is more momentum to about the Olympics. Um, in fact, Congressman Chris Smith is holding hearings uh, now on the called the Genocide Olympics and um, trying to get the best thinking on what to do about this situation. How can we celebrate Olympic Games in the country where ongoing genocide is happening? So are you in favor of boycotting uh, this Olympics? I would be in favor of moving the Olympics. Um, and so I think that that's the way to go. Um, I don't want to see the athletes um, uh, uh -huh. hurt, but I, I, you know, it, there, there has to be some kind of um, response. Uh, it can't be business as usual. While, you know, genocide, the, the term genocide, which has now been recognized by the Biden administration as well in the United States and, and in the UK and other countries, uh, Canada, Parliament as well. Um, it, it, it has the word genocide, the term genocide has power. And it's thanks to the Jewish people that, that it does have power and resonates, especially here in the United States. I know um, very well this is the, the, the culture here. And it is um, something that is considered the most heinous human rights violation imaginable. And, um, and it cannot be tolerated. Um, never again. And um, so it has been called out by our government leaders. And um, it seems it's absolutely supported by the facts that I've seen and should be um, responded to appropriately. Um, I'm not advocating we go to war, but I am advocating that we not celebrate the Olympics in the country that's carrying this out. Well, Amen to that. Uh, I want to thank you, Nina Shea, for all the work that, that you are doing on behalf of press people across the globe and specifically now in communist China. I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your ideas and your experiences. And I want to invite you back whenever you wish to come um, and uh, share with us again and have another discussion about uh, some troublesome issue that is afflicting millions and millions of people. Thank you very much, Nina. Thanks so, so much, Alan. Really appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Code Red Podcast. Be sure to click subscribe to stay up to date and be the first to hear about our future podcast. You can also find and subscribe to the Code Red Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube.